welcome to the Venue Podcast for April 13th, 2021. This is podcast number 69. I'm one of your hosts, William Sellers. And I'm Eric Malatesta. And I'm Michael Faisley. Hey guys. And and we don't hey. have we don't have any special guest or featured person today. It's just uh, us. It's nice just to be the three of us again. The original podcast team. So yeah. um glad everyone's doing good. Now, one thing I wanted to mention to everyone who's listening, if you hear rumbling and like thunder and lightning, there's nothing we can do about that. It's the weather and we're both and I'm sitting next to a window. So, if you hear any inclement weather, just, you know, enjoy it. <laughs> we'll try and make it edited as post. as to our ominous theme. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, what is our theme today, guys? What are we going to talk about today? Well, it seems like you were yeah, it seems like you were doing some looking on the internet and kept seeing all these nasty maps and got scared. So, yeah, I was actually. So the other day I was doing a little research. You know, I mean, part of the work we do in the, at Venue in the data center is, is something that is, is prevalent in everything we do, whether it's backups, disaster recovery, cloud computing, whatever it is, we have to think about security. And more and more these days, it really is cybersecurity, not necessarily security of necessarily passwords on your local machine although that's important but it's how are people you know with with all our devices being connected uh there's always someone from the outside trying to get in right and i was actually looking up a uh an article on the recent uh it's really not a recent facebook compromise but recently announced facebook compromise and i stumbled on a map (laughs) It kind of freaked me out, man. It's not a good map, um, but basically, lots of lots of uh, lots of flying colors. Yeah, like they're trying yeah, to hit your city. Exactly. So it's basically war games. Yeah, you know, honestly, it actually reminded me of war games. It's yeah. it's basically a source and destination map in real time of all of the cybersecurity known cybersecurity attacks that are going on around the world and i was like holy smoke this is this is this is not good this is scary stuff and, 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 um, and i think if the one you were telling me about i think you were just looking at network devices you weren't even looking at system devices right exactly and the one i was actually looking at is uh one of the the maps from fortinet right and if you go search online for real-time cybersecurity uh, maps uh, or heat maps or things like this, you, you'll see everyone's got one. Fortinet, uh, Solar, uh, what is it? Um, SonicWall, Cisco, they all have different types of maps that show people, hey, this is what's going on in our devices. And it was quite, um, quite interesting and also very scary. And I thought this would be a good topic. And we've done cybersecurity before in the past. But I think it's actually good to bring up again because we've had yeah. some recent <clears throat> cybersecurity, uh, pretty pretty big cybersecurity attacks recently sure. that um, that have that have come in the news. And I think yeah. um, you know, t- tagging on to something Michael had said to us before the call was, you know, how many times now do we see in our LinkedIn feeds and and uh, all of our other social media. Uh, fees that we use that there's some kind of discussion about cybersecurity. You know, two years ago, I mean, I feel like I saw it every so often, but now I'm seeing it, you know, daily. You know, it's, it's becoming a thing, right? It's becoming yeah. a, a concern. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also think it's important to, to kind of refresh on this topic because 
I mean, like with most IT, it's it's ever evolving, right? You, Absolutely. you do something and six months later there's there's something new, right? And and especially with cybersecurity, it's it's the the attackers are looking for new um and inventive ways to to, to you know breach um these protective measures that organizations are putting in place to protect themselves. Right. So, um, right. And, and, and everybody, you know, it, it goes back to the age old thing. Everybody thinks, well, what do I have for these cybersecurity people to steal from me? Right. And, and, and you always yeah. think it's nothing <clears throat> until you start realizing, well, maybe that, they, maybe they're not trying to steal your data, but maybe they're trying to, you know, hijack you. Or influence, or influence, yeah, or influence thought, right? Maybe they want you to think a certain way. Yeah, the 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 thing, the one that I was recently looking at, and this is something we had talked about when we were huddling up before the um, before the podcast was the solar winds attack. Yeah, and um, that was actually a breach of um, and how they got in is kind of a double edged sword. You know, we have all these tools to make. Uh, our our infrastructure easy to manage or automated or or things like this right and we're monitorable giving, right monitorable yeah. and there's network monitoring systems and then there's network management systems right where we're giving control of 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 maybe decisions right to uh, a piece of software uh, to make to automatically make a change to the network that then has a specific outcome that in most cases we want to have. But you know, as simple, it, it, simple as the idea is you can think of something like VMware. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I can tell you every single person that manages VMware, VMware at a system that's got more than four or five hosts, they probably got something like DRS uh, enabled, right? Yes. <clears throat> and so you're, we're allowing VMware to make some decisions with something with the VMs and or the storage, right? Mm-hmm. Well, by inherently doing that, we also have given the system power and administrative rights over those systems. So now VMware can do things to storage. So if you infect VMware, you could wipe out storage potentially. Yes, exactly. Right? Exactly. And, and, and what Eric's talking about really is like in the case of dynamic resource scheduling, you can either have something where the, the, the software intelligence can say, hey, I think you should do this or I'll make a recommendation. Maybe you want to vMotion machines to another host, but I'm not going to do it for you. I'm just going to tell you. Um, the, the, the part that gets worrisome is when we say, yeah, go ahead and tell me, but just go ahead and do it without me knowing it. And it's a double-edged sword. It's convenient. It's helpful. And it probably in most cases brings better performance. However, there is a downside to that. Yeah. yeah and, and honestly, the, the solar winds attack, like in, in my mind, uh, that, that was a big game changer, right. And in, in, in a negative way, um, you know, uh, up until then I would say, uh, the vast majority of, of organizations out there and, and just IT professionals trusted, um, you know, with, without question. Uh, They're software vendors. In, 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 yeah, any type mm-hmm. of software they would get, yeah. right? Everybody still understood, hey, you know, there may be some type of vulnerability, but, you know, patches come out, right? That's That, that kind of comes with, with the territory, but they still trusted the the software. Right. And with this particular breach being a, a, a supply chain attack, meaning that the attackers got in and implanted malicious code inside the software, that was something that I think very few people 
uh, took seriously before. And, and now it's, I wouldn't say a regular conversation, but it's, it's, it's coming up a, a good bit. Well, they got into a lot of stuff. I mean, it, it hit yeah. the, the, the treasury office. And I think it actually hit, it hit some of the Department of Defense, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like, woof, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And they can inject code of their own to do anything they want. Exactly. Because it's running under the name of solar winds. Yep. Yep. Right. So that's just solar winds, and that's just the things that we hear about. I'm pretty. I'm almost positive there's things going on at this moment that is like even more scary than than this. Yeah, I mean, and you know, that you know, solar winds is a good example of the zero day type attacks that are so hard to prevent, right? Um, a zero day attack is something that comes out, and you had no time with which to patch, right? Exactly. So the, the the hack comes out. Someone announces the hack came out, and Typically, they'll say the fix is, and they'll give you a whole bunch of different options, but there's not actually a patch that's come out from the vendor yet. Right. right? So, or, so that's or where just, the difficulty is. Or the difficulty is people who just don't patch their servers. I mean, yeah, I've seen yeah. so many people, and I've talked to so many people, and I ask, you know, are you patch running your Windows updates? And I'm like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to reboot my system. I'm like, ooh, that's not good. <laughs> You know, you want to, you know, you want to patch and reboot as soon as, well, I don't want to say as soon as patches come out, Um, but you kind of do. I mean, if in an ideal world, you would have a scenario where you had a a test bed that you could test patches before they roll out. And there's always a possibility of a patch breaking something. But I think the risk reward balance is it's more reward to keep your machines patched right when they come out than it would be to worry about oh well if a patch comes out it could break something sure yeah. sure you can, and you, a lot you of, can go ahead michael sorry i, I was gonna say um you know piggybacking on what will said a lot of cybersecurity is is weighing risk right yeah um and and I think a scary thing, you know, what what Eric was saying with the zero days, like, yeah, Will is is correct in that some people don't patch machines, but with those zero days, you don't you don't have a choice. So as an organization, you're basically saying, all right, I'm I know this is out, and I know there's no patch for it. So by leaving this system running, I'm, I'm essentially accepting this risk. And it puts organizations in, in kind of a difficult um, territory because they're left with, okay, I either run this and I accept the risk or I disable it entirely. And, and that could also have negative business impacts, right? If you're utilizing something um, to, I don't know, automate some type of rollout or do some type of health check or, or, or whatever it is that, mm-hmm. that, you know, that software um, or, or um, you know, solution is doing for your company, you you have to weigh that risk of can we afford to turn this off until there's a patch or do I just accept, you know, the, the risk that something may happen while it's on and unpatched? Right. Sure. So, so, so you think about the SolarWinds piece, uh, you know, I, I think most people would say, hey, I can risk turning off SolarWinds. SolarWinds is, is a – primarily my monitoring tool with a little bit of automation built into it that I can manually do for the next day. Right. So I'm not going to lose too much. And, 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 and something I was going to say a minute ago, which kind of also wears weight here, which is, you know, Hey, if I, if I'm a 1000 person 
company and I have a team dedicated to downloading patches and and installing them and seeing how they work um, and what they affect within my environment, that's great. But if I'm a small business where I have a either a single IT guy or a, sm- a small group of IT guys or maybe even just a consultant, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The risk probably is better to weigh on the fact that a patch will screw you up versus not patching, right? So you would yeah. because you don't have someone on on staff to do all that testing, it's probably better that you just risk that what's coming from the vendor is going to work best for ninety percent or better of of all applications out there in the wild. Yeah, and because if you're- you because you're, you're, otherwise you're leaving yourself so vulnerable but that when the, when the attack actually happens and they say, hey, we're, we're releasing a patch, but you have to already be at this other patch. Well, you're four or five, six patches behind that. Your reboot process is painful, and, and sometimes this may or may not even be doable, right? So yeah. if you're trying to go from one .NET version to another .NET version or, or something of that effect, right, and then – just to get to a place where they can actually patch you, well, you're 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 running a risk that is as greater than had you just been patching all along, and every so often a patch messed up something you had to roll it back. Yep. Yeah. And to make it even worse, to, to, and this is I, I, we always try to be happy on our podcast and not be gloom and doom, but <laughs> one more, you know, it, it is kind of not. We have to be serious, right? Uh, it's gotten worse because it used to be back in the day. When we looked at like virus or antiviral, it was something easy. You would slap a virus software on all your systems and you're protected, right? You keep your definitions updated. You live life. Everything's fine. Sure. Uh, then it, that evolved in, you know, people getting viruses on their desktop infecting servers. That involved, that evolved into, Oh my gosh, goodness. We have to keep our firewall perimeter network, um, you know, secure. So that, that came into more heavily, um, you know, how do we set up firewall rules and NAT and, and these things that keep our network security boundaries secure? That was the next evolution. Now it's even going further where we're having to worry about um, things like personality attack, meaning, you know, someone impersonating you and getting into your system or uh, ransomware that you don't know that you're attacked until maybe months or years later then it happens and you're in a really bad situation so the evolution of yeah. of cybersecurity encompassing antivirus network security um uh and then passwords has, has just gotten exponentially worse and the problem is it's not like it's getting easier across the board it's getting more and more complex and building upon previous you know, we still have to worry about antivirus. It's not because we did things yeah. and you don't have to worry about antivirus. In fact, today it's probably more antivirus and then, um, you know, intrusion detection of a local machine or endpoint protection is becoming more important. But you can, we can't think about network security. We can't think about, stop thinking about, you know, cloud security. So. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's much like it's, it's much like almost anything that we talk about in life, right? I mean, there's no one piece that you have to protect alone. I mean, you're not going to take your house and say, I, I installed some locks in the front door, and so my house is secure, right? Right. I mean, there's other entryways within to your house, and each entryway has a unique set of problems with which people can get in out into, and and then they also have a unique set of problems of where they actually get into in the house, right? So, so you have to think of, of 
whole idea. You know, hey, we used to just think throwing on some virus gang software on my, my desktop was great, but it's had has evolved to a, a, a multifaceted approach. And, and we talk about that all the time with our clients, you know, um, you know, look, there, there's no one solution that's the, the great, Hey, I, I saw this one solution. I have no problems. Every one of them has something unique about it. Otherwise it wouldn't all exist. Right. So we right. wouldn't have all these different flavors of protection. But what we do know is that we need to protect our firewall, our borders, our, our, our DMCs, as they used to call it in the old days. Right. And then as well as not as our, our file servers and our laptops, the networks with which they lie on. Yep. Right. So all of those things work together. And also, and I- education right uh you know when we start talking about phishing and like just wi-fi security uh it, it's educating our users our administrators of of what's of what's out there right and you, you you talk to someone who's just talking about email and they say oh this looks like it came from my chase bank and even if they go look in the the sender it's you know admin at chase.com right if it's a bank but if you're not looking at the header or absolutely, or hovering over a link, you don't really know what you're clicking unless you go look. So, well, it's funny that you bring up email because yes, there are you know anti-spam, anti-phishing solutions out there. But <clears throat> honestly, one of the most effective things to do is is training. Yeah. Right. Yes. Having having fake phishing emails, right? So so nothing malicious behind it, but you're sending it out, or or, or maybe a a third party organization that specializes in this is sending it out to your employees and then you get data back. How many people clicked on this, this attachment on this fake phishing email. Right. And, and then, you know, require that employee to do some additional training. Um, a a lot of times it's, it's, it's really, um, it's on the employees, right. Um, to, to be able to recognize things like that. Um, you know, specifically with phishing and, and like Will said, you know, uh, Wi-Fi, right? Uh, how, how often do, you know, people go out and, and use public Wi-Fi and not, not think anything about it, right? Yeah, and, and yeah. I think one of the alarming things, you know, you guys were addressing the, the threat landscape and how it's evolved. It's not just how it's evolved, but it's how quickly it's evolved. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, great you, point. You, exactly. You, you went from, okay, well, I'm just worried about the bad guys getting in from outside to, okay, now there's insider threats, so I have to be worried about what's going on inside. And then and then you look and even different types of threats have evolved where like ransomware, for example, like five years ago, that that was, you know, maybe in its, its very, very infancy, right? Um, and it's, it's just gotten worse and worse over time, but now attackers have gotten to the point where they realize that some people are not paying the ransom when something's encrypted because maybe um, maybe you got good backups. Had good backups. Yeah, correct. Right. So now they're they're pivoting. They're they're first starting off with, "Hey, I'm going to encrypt it," and then when if you're thinking about not paying, they're saying, "Now, okay, I'm going to um, I'm going to release your data." Yes. Right? So I think that's worse. The, exactly. They've, they've <laughs> exfiltrated the data and they're threatening, you know, leaking that. And and depending on, on the organization, that has different impl- implications, right? If yeah. they got a hold of something that, um, you know, is some, some type of trade secret for your organization, well, ugh, uh, you know, now, now I'm worried about my secret sauce getting out or, 
Yeah. Um, and and I think, I think, I think what we're seeing because of this is that what the initial penetration is not what you have to be worried about. Right. So, so yes, they use some kind of flaw to get within your system, but from there, like you they use the word pivot. So then they're pivoting. And sometimes what they're doing is they're pivoting and they're saying, what what my end goal is to do is to hijack these people's um, data. So so they're going to have to pay me to get the data back. So, so what should I do if I, if I hijack their data and they realize I've hijacked their data, they'll just turn off the backup server. So what, what I'll, what I'll do first is I'll find their backup server and I'll just encrypt the backup server. Yeah. Right now I've got, now I own their backup with their backup uh, server and now I'm going to encrypt their file server. And then all of a sudden that's when you discover it. And then you say, well, let me go get my backups. And you're like, Oh, my backups are also encrypted. So, so it's like a multi-step fast that they go through with which to take over. And, and, and so like, like you had said before, sometimes they lay dormant for a little while, right? Cause they're just yeah. working. They're finding out what you have. They're trying to learn. They're just kind of laying there waiting for the right opportunity with which to invoke themselves. So, so that's where the zero day patches are so, so tough, but where regular patching is perfect, right? So if I keep, I'm keeping up with my regular patching, I'm keeping all those kind of known threats out, and then I'm scanning internally. I'm running some kind of EDR system with all my own system. So when it sees something that gets evoked by a non or a suspect uh, a service, it can it can alert us or stop it and say, hey, there was something that was evoked. Um, and, and then it may, may or may not delete it, but then it gives us the administrators the ability to go look at this and say, "Oh, actually, yes, yeah, so a, a tool that I run yearly to do something, right, or monthly, yeah. or, or bi-monthly, something like that, right." And then you're able to okay it and let it run, but it, it stopped it from running initially because it was it was unclear. Yeah. So this is how they're doing it. They're getting in, they're they're infiltrating you, and then they're laying low and they're they're it's kind of exploring to see what was out there. It's crazy, yeah. So what we need to like do, like Michael said, is they gonna, they're going to try to re- release your data. So so keeping all this stuff, you know, up to date and and and, and keeping all of your applications and your your borders and all these pieces that work together secure is 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 a difficult process. Yep. 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 Um, so what we need to do is we need to create a worldwide global. Uh, cybersecurity engine that we give all of our military and financial and supply chain information to. And we let this artificial intelligence uh, protect us from any type of virus. And by the way, <laughs> let's come up with a catchy name. Let's call it Skynet. No. Okay, that was just a joke. That was just a joke. But it, it actually, funny thing is though, if you look at if you if you're uh, if you ever watch the Terminator movies, that's actually how Skynet came into being. It was actually it's supposed to be a global network for um, squashing cybersecurity issues, and it became very popular. And they gave it more and more control, and then it became self-aware. It's a long story. Go watch yeah. the Terminator movies. But anyway. Um, so it's not all gloom and doom, and that's why I kind of joked is, you know, there's a lot of things that people uh, are doing to combat this, ver- you know, cybersecurity problems very, very well. And, and it's becoming less, it's becoming, the, the, the things that uh, enterprises and small, maybe medium businesses now, or, or, or we're using now are coming into small to medium to even home users. Um, 
you know, I was at home uh, working with my wife this weekend, and she pulled out her. She said, "I got to log in and do something uh, on my bank." And uh, we use the same bank, by the way. But she, she goes, uh, "I need my phone." I'm like, "What you need your phone for?" She goes, "Well, I need to open up uh, Microsoft Authenticator." I'm like, "What? Two factor authentication? That's amazing!" So there's a lot yeah. of things that people are doing now, and it's small things, but it's very impactful, right? And we talk about doing things like two-factor authentication. And some people will hear that and it goes in one ear and out the other because they think it's too hard to do or too difficult. And it's really not, you know, password security, using a password management system, you know, VPNs. We were talking about this the other day, Faisley, is, you know, how many people actually use VPNs when they're surfing the web. And I don't mean VPNs like point-to-point VPN, like you're going to VPN into work. This is if you're sitting at the coffee house and you want to encrypt the data going through the network tunnel, right, to the Internet, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, we yeah. touched on this yesterday while we were chatting. You know, so you walk into a, um, a hotel, a coffee shop, um, you know, any kind of mom-and-pop store. They say, hey, we offer free Wi-Fi, and you pop up in your laptop, and you see um, coffeeshopname.com Wi-Fi, and you click on it, and you start working, right? You don't think anything about it. However, like Michael was saying yesterday, there's a big chance for people to be spoofing names, right? So I can create yeah. my own Wi-Fi network right off my laptop, advertise it as the same name or something very close to the same name. And as an end user, we just see it and we trust it. So it, it, back to that whole training thing. So maybe we train our, you know, like with when I talk to my wife, you know, first thing you should do is ask the people in the stores, hey, what's your Wi-Fi name, right? Because they're going to tell you the Wi-Fi name, and then you're going to sit down, and you're going to find that Wi-Fi name, and you're going to log in. You're not going to just guess on these. that You'll see 10 CCs, Starbucks, whatever names up there, and you have to choose one, and you don't know which one you're choosing. Yeah, but what I mean, you could use the same SSID. I mean, it may may cause some conflicts, but it's like, oh, so what you do is you go to the barista, and you say, okay, what's your network SSID? And then she tells you. And then you say, what manufacturer of Wi-Fi access point are you using? And she'll tell you. Then you go take that MAC address. <laughs> you go look it up. And you go, okay, yes, I'm in that network. It's most likely I'm talking to, like, you know, a Cisco or a Ubiquity or whatever it is. It's, it's a little bit overkill. I have personally, is, I have I personally mean, never done that. But, but I mean, asking, asking doesn't take any time, right? And, no. And no one thinks. And, and here's the thing. No one would think anything about it. If I, I walk up to the, the counter. I'm ordering a coffee. Oh, and by the way, what's your Wi-Fi uh, uh, name? She, the girl says or the guy says, I don't know. Hey, Mr. Manager, what's the Wi-Fi name? It's, you know, ABCD, right? And then, okay, cool. I know now. Do I sit down? That's the one I'm going to log into. It's very simple. takes no extra time in, as you're purchasing either. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um you know, so so Wi-Fi security, there's just so many different, you know, we start talking about, you know, and if someone asks, what's the best type of security? What should I be doing, right? What should I be protecting? And it's really a layer, right? There's 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 different layers of cybersecurity that everyone needs to c- consider, even if you're a home user, right? If you're just sitting in your home, you know. Um, so, you know, it, you know, desktop security is one thing, right? Um Password security, if you're going online, as soon as that machine connects to the internet, um, you're vulnerable, you know? Yeah, and how many people, how many people cache their password to their bank right there oh, yeah. in their browser? 
And so now I popped up onto this, uh, you know, nefarious type Wi-Fi, and someone else has now gained access to my laptop, and then starts pulling, you know, my password files. Or, right? or you ch- you choose because you think it's a good idea to trust someone like Mozilla or Firefox. And I'm not saying these people are untrustworthy. But like if you use Chrome or you use Mozilla, Firefox, sure. and you say, oh, you know what? I want it to be convenient. I want to sync all of my ID and passwords to everything I log into online. And that's dangerous. And I, I actually tell people to don't do that. It's a very good, convenient way to, you know, to have your passwords. And if you go from your iPhone to your Mac to your PC to your iPad, whatever, and you log into the browser – and you synchronizing all these devices, man, what happens if Firefox get hacked? You know? Well, you mentioned something very important there, convenience. Right? Oh, yeah. How, how many times does convenience outweigh security? Um, not, not just in, in, in personal life, but, but professional life, oh, right? It, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Convenient is, um, convenience is convenience. <laughs> right. So, you were talking about layered security and that's, that's something that we preach quite often. And, and sometimes that I, I use it as a almost trick question in, in, um, you know, talks, little lunch and learns and stuff that I, that I give on security where I'll ask what's, what's the best type of security. And you'll hear people say intrusion, you know, detection or next gen AV or things like that. But, you know, it's really layered. Well, the truth of the matter is, the more layers that you add on, I mean, you can secure things down to, to where they're almost impossible to use. Right. Yeah. Um, but again, security is all about balance, right? So you're, you're striking a balance between something that's usable, but also gives you, um, a low amount of risk, right? Yep. Some organizations choose though, well, I want to be secure, but, also, I, I just really need this to work right now. So just go ahead and disable this or, yep. or you know, and they, they end up sacrificing security um, when really they, they, they shouldn't. How many times do we hear, but my end users will have, will, will start calling them and, and complaining, right? Yeah. How many times yeah. do we hear that? Oh, yeah. right? I hear it all the time. It, it, again, yeah. it comes back to risk and what is, what is that? Risk and reward. Or, or, you know, what's the amount of risk? I mean, because, dude, anytime you, you get up in the morning, you're taking a risk, right? You're walking down the street, you're taking a risk. You're using your computer, you're taking a risk. And it, what is the balance between going, okay, I'm reasonably safe from 90% of the things that go on versus I'm upside down where I'm, I'm just doing the worst practice and I'm, I'm just waiting to get hacked, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and, and like, Go ahead, Michael. Sorry. Well, you brought it up earlier. Multi-factor authentication. That is one of oh. the easiest things to implement uh, personally and, and professionally. It, oh, is, yeah. it is one of the easiest things to implement. And, and also it's, it's a very cheap, um, you know, cost effective way to, to bolster your security. Right. So yeah. for VPN users or for, for logging into, to, uh, you know, some type of portal if it supports multi-factor authentication, which most do nowadays. Yep. Um, you know that 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 does help out. Oh, I'm I'm um, moving most all of my um sites that support two FA. I'm moving to um, you know, to to some type of device. Whether if it's and I'm I'm really not so. And this comes down to convenience. I think it's more convenient to do like text messaging where you put in your phone number and it texts you a code 
and then it you know it, you type in the code but i've i've recently really moved for even just personal stuff moved everything to like um you know some type of authentication application right which it's yeah. less convenient because if I lose my phone or I get a new phone, I got to make sure to export that configuration and import it into my new phone. But and, and that's that's an important concept that you just brought up is that there's even flavors within multi-factor authentication, and there's different mm-hmm. ways of doing it. With with text multi-factor being the least secure of them, right? Would you say um, text or email is least secure? Because I would think text would be relatively secure. Because you could probably uh, spoof not them. not anymore. Okay, not, not okay. anymore. Um, your your push notifications are are, are going to be higher on on that. Um, even over that e- scale, even, even over email. What about email? Email email is more secure than than text. Um, I, guess, I guess so because you have to have access to that email. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that that's a tough one. Um, really, I I wouldn't choose either of those. I would go to something that that has some type of push notification or a a, a one time password that that's um, you know regenerates every uh, minute or so. Um, and then yeah. now even they they have uh, multi factor authentication like USB keys. That that's that's oh, the most yeah. secure method. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people who do cyber, who do uh, cryptocurrency now, are, are storing their crypto uh, cur- currency tokens on USB keys. I mean, this is not new, yeah. of course, but yeah, it's 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 everywhere. So you know, and the thing is, I urge you know, let's 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 urge our listeners to take one type of new cybersecurity measure. You know, maybe this week or this month. Um, and I would say the easiest. I think to implement is just two FA, right? Two factor authentication. Google authentic yeah. Google Authenticator, Microsoft Authenticator. Um, even if you have things like LastPass and One Password, those applications have two FA features built in, which makes it really yeah. again convenience is to have the two FA mechanism built into your password management system. It's really cool. One one thing that I'll say that it's important, right? We've we've harped on on layered security, you know, the past five ten minutes, but um, it, it it's great to have layered security, and it's great to have you know um, highly rated, well thought of security solutions that um, you know are are good at protecting you from threats. But one thing that that is important is. Um, you know, something that, that I, I feel is maybe missed uh, sometimes is visibility, right? Um, it's it's great to be able to stop attacks, but it's also great to have um, kind of a unified visibility into your uh, security, right? So, you mm-hmm. know, for example, you have endpoint protection and you have... Um, you know, a, a next-gen firewall. You're you're doing something for unified threat, where you're you have um, IPS, IDS, application control, uh, maybe some some uh, antivirus at, at your gateway. You're doing something for phishing. Um, you know, CASB, all, all all these different security solutions. Well, the problem that you get into sometimes is if you have all of these different security solutions but maybe you're you're taking a best of breed approach where Mm -hmm. you have like 10 different vendors it becomes really difficult to have all of that log data 
um, coalesce into something that's usable. Yeah. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and even having a security analyst on staff or something like that, well, if if I'm looking at log data from 10 different sources, how how do I correlate that into something actionable? Um, And, and there are ways, you know, there, there are vendors out there that, that understand this and they uh, play well with others. (laughs) So so to speak, right. They, it's almost um, like we need a credit score rating system for security. <laughs> you know, that encompasses, you know, like you got Equifax, you got these different security, you know, and then they all roll up into your credit score. It's almost like we need something like that for um for cybersecurity. Yeah, I mean it's this so this you know, a lot, a lot of used to hear the term single pane of glass kind of thing, right? And you want to be able to go to as, as few places as possible to get a true view of what's going on. Because once again, so you have someone that's laying something that's laying dormant for a week, two weeks, a month, six months. And then it kicks off. Well, what has that thing spoken to? So you know that it's infected on on host X, but what has it spoken to? Mm-hmm. And what has it had tried to speak to? And so by having this top layer down view or bottom layer up view, either way, where you're encompassing all of that, you know, it's, it's, it's an end invisibility and you have late, the least amount of places with which to look at a pane of glass with which to de- decipher that data, the better chance you are you going to, of containing it quickly and eradicating it, yeah. right? So, so we forget about the piece about eradicating it because, you know, I think that almost every one of us would agree that, hey, I had this on my system. Someone says, I, I think I've cleaned it up. What should I do? I think every one of us is going to say format the machine and start over, right? I mean – your best bet is to format and start over and, and build all the layers of security into it immediately and, and, and then release it into the wild again because you have no idea what is led if left dormant there. You may have a better idea if you've had this end-to-end visibility. Yeah. Yeah. The, I'm, go on, Will. No, I was also going to say is – you know, not all secure, not all websites, not all security entities need the same type. And this goes back to layering your cybersecurity measures. Not all websites, not all IT infrastructure necessarily or home stuff needs the same cybersecurity protection, right? Maybe I don't care who sees my, what I'm watching on Netflix, right? Or, or something like that. But maybe I want to have the highest security measure on things like my banking account or, or something like that. Maybe social media I'm not so concerned about because, you know, I'm considering all that stuff public anyway, so I'm not going to put anything out there that is that is like trade secrets. Yeah, but but, but what about so they, they hijack your your social media oh, yeah. and they start parading as you. Yeah, I'm not right? saying it's not what important. What kind of damage can they do? Oh, they can do tons of damage. If I'm a business and someone hacks into my social media and starts putting yes. nasty stuff online, yeah, it's, it's definitely yeah. – um, definitely for a business, completely important. But the point yeah. is, you know, you have to, it comes back to risk and reward and, and putting your most, looking at your vulnerabilities and putting the most concentration on your very much more important data, putting, putting cyber secu- emphasis on cybersecurity there and still giving emphasis on other things, but looking at what's most important. I don't know if yeah. I have really thought so about that. So, Will, this all started with you seeing what I call the, the cyber missiles flying around on the map. <laughs> Skynet attacking. And, and you started getting panicked about, like, you know, how secure were you are. I mean, did you feel like that that this conversation has lent 
you to some measures that you can take personally, as well as, you know, how you can discuss this with, with, uh, your peers in the future. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, any, you know, talking about cybersecurity, whether it's with you guys or people even in my house, it makes you just start thinking about things. Like, in fact, I was asking Faisley, you know, a few days ago or yesterday, I was like, you know what? I think I need to build, get a new router because I need better cybersecurity or better antivirus or better protection. Um, you know, so that all relates into what we do in our personal life, but also what relates to what we do with our customers, right? Thinking about these things. Yeah, sure. So how many people have that same router that's 10 years old sitting in the house or sitting in their office um, or in that edge office because no one ever really goes to the edge office that often? Mm-hmm. And, and it's just a, a big gaping hole. That's the front the door, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, or that router that you took out of the box and you didn't change the default password <laughs> on it. Right. <laughs> Routers have gotten better though these days. I mean, I'm seeing some of them that actually will go auto update patches and keep themselves updated. I'm gonna call my router Skynet. <laughs> when I get my new router, that'll be the name. Um, I guess if we discovered anything here, we is is back to that that word that Michael likes, which is is everything's layered. Yep. And and you can't. You can't take the assumption that because I protected my laptop or my file server or my or my firewall or something that I'm safe. All of those things have to be uh, uh, secured separately and hopefully with a, a a system that can present the data in a as few amount of monitoring views as possible. Yep. Now, Michael, I'm going to give you a plug. Because I think you have, and I haven't read a lot of your articles, but I think you actually write a cybersecurity blog for us, don't you? I do. Yes, it is our What's our, the, our cyber corner. How do they find? How do they find you? How do they find the cyber corner? Our listeners. Uh, it's, it's on the venue.com website. Okay. Um, there's there's uh, under our blog section. There's a cyber corner, um, and I, I write one one blog post a month. Uh, on on various topics um, uh, certainly if there are any listeners that want me to write on something uh, in particular uh, feel free to reach out and um, you know I'll, I'll be happy to add that to the list yeah that that, cool. uh, that's likewise with the, with the podcast right I mean yeah. we have yeah. we have an email podcast at venue.com is that right will that absolutely is and that only goes to myself Michael and you Eric so it's just us if you want to talk to us. And we read those emails. We do, yeah. Another thing is, really, guys, you know, we have some topics that we've got kind of in the can that we'll be we'll be doing our next podcast. But we definitely like hearing from you. So if you specifically, I'm talking to you, who's listening right now, whether if it's whoever, if you have a topic that you would like to, to have us discuss, or even maybe come on our podcast, we can make that happen. So uh, email us podcast at venue dot com. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll start the conversation. So I think it's, it's fun and we enjoy doing it. We haven't done a clubhouse meetup yet. We need to get that done, guys. So I've created a club in clubhouse called Louisiana Technology Pros. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we're going to start doing some clubhouse meetups. And we'll, what I'd like to do is just schedule one in the next maybe week or so. And we'll put it out there and just see who comes, right? We'll see, we'll see how that works. Um, Twitter also does something similar because, you know, Twitter wanted to get in, in the, on the whole kind of clubhouse thing. But, uh, I'd like to start doing that and actually getting more interaction with our, with our listeners. Yeah. yeah. Sounds, sounds great. All right. So as always, uh, rate us on 
the you can find us on the iTunes Store, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio. I've said this once before. Spotify is coming soon. I just need to get off my uh, katukas and get that get that moved over to Spotify. Um, but you will be able to find us there. We love iTunes ratings as long as they're a five star. That's all we'll take. Uh, to rate us well. Hopefully, we've provided some um, entertainment and also education to you guys. And again, um, podcast at venue.com, and you can find us on the web if you just want to open up a browser uh, at https colon slash slash www.venue.com slash podcast. That's it, guys. Is, are we done for today? I think so. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right, guys. Thanks Take for care. listening. Have a great weekend.